This is Continuum Drag, a weekly podcast where we revisit sci-fi, fantasy, and just plain weird shows. This week, Threshold, episodes seven and eight. There is a uniqueness to this project, Senator. Doctor, everybody says that about their pork. From bridges to nowhere to my personal favorite livestock museums. I can assure you that Threshold is not a livestock museum. It's not good enough, JT. I'm looking at a $30 million expenditure, and I am answerable to the taxpayers, as I should be. Welcome to Continuum Drag, the podcast interested in eating a plant-animal hybrid. I'm Luke, here with my co-host Jordan. What's real, Jordan? Here's what's real. I'm going to give you a little bit of wisdom from this show. Yeah, Are you okay. ready? I like so this, wisdom. This is going to be something that people tattoo on their arms, you know? I'm into it. Okay. Here's the quote. Information starts with a trickle. And builds to a wave. Oh, I like it. It's good. Yeah. That, that was that was good. from JT in one of the episodes. That that's good for the office. Like once a little information gets out there, whew, that trickle yeah. just starts mm-hmm. building. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Well, Jordan, we've got two more episodes this week. But uh do you wanna you wanna do a segment first? Of course, yeah. We've done this before, which is um I will give you all the main cast of the show, and I have picked one odd role from each of their careers. And you have to, based on just hearing the title of the movie slash TV show, guess which actor it was. Great. I love it. So I did try to do one thing because I tried to pick roles that sound sort of gender neutral to try to trick you a little bit. Oh, so you're going to give me the role as well. I'm going to give you the movie and the role. Oh, interesting. I think this is a first. Yeah. I, I went the extra distance. <laughs> okay. Well, just for the viewers, we have uh, Carla Gugino playing Dr. Molly Ann Caffrey, Brian Van Holt playing Sean Cavanaugh, Brent Spiner playing Dr. Nigel Fenway, Rob Benedict playing Lucas Pegg, and Peter Dinklage playing Arthur Ramsey, and Charles S. Dutton playing J.T. Bailey. There we go. Those are all the ones. So, okay. So the first role... Why don't I give them all to you, and then you kind of guess. All right, all right, all right, all right. Bang them off for me. All right. I feel like we've never done this before. I'm really fumbling my way. <laughs> the first movie is a 2011 movie called I Melt With You, and this role was Officer Boyd. Okay. Next movie is a movie called, a 1990 movie called Q&A, which oh. is like, what a non-evocative title, huh? Uh, and this character was Sam Chapman. Okay. You'll notice Sam could be. Could go either way. Could go either way. Next is the TV series Oz, and this oh, person, yeah, yeah. this this was uh, for a 2001 episode, and this person played murder victim. <laughs> um, well, that, that changes who I'm going to pick, but go okay. on. Okay, I have a cartoon series that went for three seasons, and this actor uh, slash actress did it for all three years playing, the car- cartoon was called Generation Rex, and the character was Dr. Gabriel Rylander. What kind of dinosaur was it? I'm not sure. No, I will keep I'm going. not sure. I didn't look into it. We have another movie, 2017 movie called Wannabes, and uh, it's spelled W-A-N-N-A-B-E-Z. Oh, yeah. Z through me Or, off. sorry, as Americans say Z, but we're Canadians, we said Z. Uh, and that was the role of the manager. Oh, the manager. And finally, and because this is my favorite role, is a 2018 movie, not too long ago, called Age of Summer, and the role was 
the Yiz. <laughs> it's called Age of Summer playing the Yiz. the Yiz. Yeah. So again, the movies were I Melt With You, Q&A, Oz, that was the TV show, Generation Rex, Wannabes, and Age of Summer. All right. I am going to go with... The first one was Officer Something Something. Mm-hmm. Right? But what movie was that? I Melt With You, that, 2011. That's Kavanaugh. Okay. Seems just he he seems like a man who always plays a cop. He does, doesn't he? Q and A, Sam something something. Q and A, Sam Chapman. Well, you have a good memory. I'm gonna go with uh, Caffrey Gina. Uh, mm-hmm. What's her last name? Gina Gugino. Gugino. Carlo Gugino. I get Carlo. Gina. Carlo Gugino. Yeah. Carlo Gugino. I'm gonna go that way. Yeah. I'm gonna jump back. I'm gonna go all the way to the last one. Yiz. The Yiz. Yes, yeah, so that's Age of Summer. Age of Summer. I believe that's gonna be Peter Dinklage. Okay. Murder victim. What year was that again? In the 2001 series of Oz. All right. That's got to be Lucas then. Because no one who's left would end up in that role. Okay. You have two more. You got Generation Rex and Wannabes. Oh, I could go either way on this one. I'm going to guess Generation Rex is Brent Spiner. I feel like that's he ended up in animation at some point. I feel like that makes sense for him. It's a good guess. And then that would put uh, old JT Baylock in as the manager in wannabes i could flop either way though on that one but that's how i'm gonna i'm gonna fall on it okay so uh let me punch this into the uh <laughs> the continuum drag computer it also does this it oh does this, this now too yeah, it, does You've this, it just adds up oh it also just has a calculator updated that operating yeah. system <laughs> uh so you scored one out of six oh friend. whoa i did not do well yeah who did i get but to be fair i mean these were these were, i mean i was just guessing you're just guessing i got lucas right uh, no, you did not. Oh, darn. Uh, so, I Melt With You, the 2011 movie, was starring Carlo Gugino in the role of Officer Boyd. Okay. Charles S. Dutton was the person playing Sam Chapman in Q&A. Okay. Peter Dinklage played the murder victim Murder victim in Oz. Oh, poor Peter. I know. What a role, huh? Murder victim. One episode. Just a wild guy. He's been great in Oz. Just shows up, gets stabbed. I know. That's what I thought. I was like, Oz, he must be a new character. No, he wasn't. Hmm. You were right on Brent Spiner doing voice work. He's done a lot of voice all work. Right, all so, right. he did Generation Rex wannabes was uh rob benedict that's uh lucas lucas yep and of course that leaves brian van holt playing the role of the yiz i don't know what that means but he's second credited in as the yiz so it's not like a just like a character who walks by and is like let's party everyone i'm the yiz i'm the yes no it's like he's a, a lawyer or something you know amazing yeah anyway so there we are a lawyer called the yiz i don't know i i'd hire him yeah get me out of this murder charge <laughs> the yiz you know who you need the is um, good good round yep. uh did not do as well this time as i have in the past but That's you know all right. there's always it's time. all random it's all mm-hmm. randomized <laughs> all right jordan shall we uh get into the episodes yeah let's get into them here's the imdb summary for episode seven the order while the red team investigates reports of people in a new england seaside village dreaming of the glass trees caffrey tracks down a leak and deals with the senator's inquiries that was courtesy of A. Anonymous. Adam Anonymous. He's back and he's better than ever. Yeah, that's true. I will say I was happy the Glass Forest finally returned. I'd almost forgotten about it. Has it been a while? I don't think we've seen it since the pilot. Well, it comes back in full force these two episodes. They're like, hey, remember this Glass Forest? I'm like, yes, that was one of the better ideas you had. Yeah. Show us more. But uh, it's back. The, uh, <laughs> it is back, yeah. The the grunts on the red team, uh, Ramsey, Fenway, and Lucas, the sort of like lower class citizens in there. We we start off by seeing them discussing some nasty pizza. Yeah, and now 
He was here's my no, I actually know it's Poppy's Pizzeria. Poppy's Pizzeria. They, now, I, I just like they called it nasty pizza. Yeah, they're angry because the implication is that they've been in this office so long and they're now running the gamut of all the food options and they're now down to bad pizza and stuff. But I was like, didn't they just show in it a few episodes ago that this place could get them anything they want? Well, as as Ramsey, I've got the quote here. Ramsey puts it, uh, Doctor Caffrey's maniacally detailed pseudo-fascist threshold plan yeah. uh, it will only let them order from a place once every three weeks right. so they're constantly having to like cycle through new places and they're just like run like there's not enough restaurants yeah but my point being though they got what's his face baby carrots and a baseball or whatever it's like get it from anywhere they want they should get it they get tacos get from mexico in. yeah, in. yeah exactly. I, hey maybe they're just not using it to the full advantage that's what i think Caffrey walks in to tell them that those uh, data those data miners they employ they've uh, found people in Broxton, Rhode Island, who have been calling a radio station to talk about a shared dream they've had a uh, dream of the glass forest. That's right. And uh, in this case, she's putting old Ramsey and Lucas in charge. Yeah, they're going to pretend to be Center for Disease Control. I know, and uh, they're they're going to get off and go on their own thing. And uh, why that's happening is because uh, Caffrey and Kavanaugh have more pressing matters. Um, there's been a newspaper article written mm-hmm. about Threshold that uh, says that Threshold's designing a military weapon that doesn't hurt children. Yeah. Some some sort of like, well, just enough of the right information, but not quite all of yeah, it. Yeah, and that's, what I guess, what they're worried about. They're worried that the article is close enough to the truth that whoever's leaking it will only take a little bit more information to let everyone in the world know there's aliens. Although here at this thing. Would it be the end of the world if we actually let people know that this That's a good big question. threat? You know what I mean? Like at this point, guys, like it's been what? What do they say? Twelve weeks or something like that? Yeah, yeah. They've made no progress. They're not making a lot of progress. Right? Yes, but uh, one thing's for sure: there's a leak in threshold. Yeah, that's true, and it could only be from someone in the team. Yeah, and it's. Womp, womp, I know it's 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 weird though. In this episode, as you mentioned, that um, Ramsey and Lucas are really the the a plot and this is the b plot which is the first time i think we've had they flopped that around flopped yeah. It, yeah well let's let's run through what's going on with ramsey and lucas this episode out, out on rhode island we'll head out there with them and run through that plot shall we oh and uh, can i mention one real quick thing yeah, of course uh Baylock mentions at one point that so far they've spent 30 million on uh on threshold why not 30 million we gotta get all those uh pizzas <laughs> i guess those nasty pizzas yeah, nasty pizzas 30 million dollars <laughs> Uh, the people who have been infected or have having these dreams, they 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 are it turns out they aren't infected by the like alien genetics. They're just like have some minor exposure to the to something, and the dreams are starting to fade. And the the there's only one commonality between all these people who've called into this radio station, and it's someplace they've eaten. Mm-hmm. Do you remember the name of the place? Oh, I don't know if I wrote it down. I'll, I know it's a it's a like a fish and chip restaurant. Uh, Eddie's Clam Shack. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and as the camera swoops in on Ace Clam Shack, "Dream On" by Aerosmith plays yeah. because they're all having dreams. Jordan, yeah, I got it. So, "Dream On," yeah, all the viewers got it. <laughs> <laughs> everyone, everyone got it. They show up. They close down Eddie's Clam Shack. It's uh, the end of Eddie's livelihood. His whole career is coming to crash yeah. down around him. It is funny because they do make you feel bad about that guy, but it's a weird thread that the writer really wanted you to know about because, like, this is not ruining anything for the episode. But later on, that's going to come up, like we're ruining this guy's business. But they're like, don't worry. We'll tie up that loose thread. Yeah, you get, I was like, oh, I wasn't that worried. Were you guys worried about... And it was funny about Eddie who runs the place. He's not even that distraught about it himself. No. Like, he seems like, ugh, that's the end of this, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> but basically, 
they're wondering, could he have been serving like mutated fish from where they blew up the bighorn? Which unfortunately they're not. I was hoping there was going to be some like weird mutated fish yeah. food going on. But one of his employees, old Jake the bus boy, uh, when when they show up, he uh, he takes a runner. Yeah, and here's the thing: he couldn't have been more sketchy from the beginning. Oh, like, he's sketching like, out. As soon as he comes in, he's all sketchy. I'm like, well, he's guilty, and they're just like they don't notice anything. To be fair, though, the two people they have, uh, uh, Ramsey and Lucas, they've never been in the field. They don't know what they're. They looking don't know for. what they're doing. They're yeah. doing. They only realize something's up with him when they find his watch sitting on a counter, and <laughs> the watch hands have curved into maybe the symbol. I know they 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 keep wanting to do this. We've seen in static the symbol and we've seen traffic lights yeah, going this, the signal this fractal but like, spiral the watch was the least convincing version yeah, of it like it was it was just like why like it, you just it just felt like they had to jam it in and they're like yeah the, the, they needed the hands, a clue <laughs> yeah it's just like the hands bend you're like do they well and even watching it because he picks up as a close-up of the watch with these like curling watch hands and you can just hear the adr edition this watch looks like <laughs> the symbol yeah, i know it was bad uh, anyway, they, they head off to the motel where Jake the busboy is living. <laughs> yeah. And when they get there, they the first thing they do is uh, they pick up his phone. They're like, what's the last phone call that we made on this phone? They're like, the bus station. So they send off all their armed guards to head down to the bus station. Let's say you and I are part of Threshold. Okay. We get sent out. We're, we're just the numbers guys. We're, yeah, just, yeah. we're just, you You work on software. I work on hardware. You know? That's how we run it. <laughs> we we go down for the first time. We're on a mission. We talk to Fishboy. Then, then we go to the apartment. Don't you think we check the apartment? Don't you think you just that, like, open a couple doors? That is a real threshold thing. How, there's been at least one other one I can think of. I feel oh, like no, there's at least been twice. two where they like show up at a place where they're looking for a man that they suspect of something, but they never like open a closet door. They're just like, oh, I guess he's not here. And then yeah. he jumps out of the closet. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's sort of ruining. That is what happened while they're... Um, they send their guys off and uh, then the... Jake, the busboy, just walks back in. He was out of the motel room. He apparently walked out of the room for 10 seconds. And he walks back in, completely shirtless. Yeah. Where's his shirt? I don't know. He, I think he was out doing laundry. Oh, maybe. He walks in completely shirtless, and he's just like, hey, uh, I've got a gun. I'm going to shoot that wall over there, and uh, I guess you two are my hostages now. Yeah, so they're unarmed. They're This guy's got them. And... They've made this big stink about yeah. how all, both of them are afraid of having guns yeah. to lure us into thinking they have no way of defending themselves yeah. for a very boring reveal later. <laughs> yeah, it is. Well, it's to keep this scene going as long as possible. But um, it turns out, old Jake, the bus, the bus boy, he's he's not infected necessarily. He's just a, a bank robber. This guy, what's what's Fishboy's name? Do we Jake, know? Jake, Jake the bus boy. Yeah, Jake the bus boy. So he was a bank robber. And then while he was waiting for the money to get cleaned, he decided to take a part-time job in a restaurant? Yeah, he, he robbed a bank, ended <laughs> up in this small town, because when he, when he had opened the bag of money he had stolen, it had one of those dye packs that exploded in it, yeah. and he didn't know what to do, so he just like decided to lay low here and get a job as a busboy while he tried to figure out how to get all this ink off this money. It just, it just seemed like an... Like, I know what they were doing, but I was like, would you get a job as a busboy? Like, it just seemed so... I get it. It's a... It's not usually a job you'd get as a career, but it just seemed like a weird, like, I'm like, why couldn't he just lay low for a while? I'm sure there was a couple bills he could have used just to, <laughs> anyway, that's the point. Is for, they're, they're like, he had to make sure that he's bad, you know, that it's it's okay to shoot and, him shoot him later. And he's been, uh, he's been having these dreams too of the Crystal Forest, and he thinks he's been poisoned by the dye. Mm-hmm. So it's a government conspiracy to stop him from robbing a bank. Yeah. Essentially, though, uh, what I did like about this scene is he's basically like, I've got you as hostages. Cops are coming. I need to get this ink off these bills. So whichever one of you 
two from the CDC, as far as he knows, can tell me how to get the ink off these bills. I'm going to take with me, and the other one I'm going to murder right here. And this is one of the parts I really enjoyed about this episode because these two, Lucas and uh, Ramsey, actually make kind of like a fun character duo. Like he says, he's like, I will kill whoever doesn't help me. And Lucas immediately just like blurts out the answer. And like Ramsey's like, you just got me killed. And Lucas is like, sorry, I'm not going to die here. Like he throws Ramsey under the bus without like a breath, like a beat doesn't even pass. You know that at this point, the writers have figured out that even though the characters haven't quite gelled, the two actors are playing off each other rather well. So just keep, you know, giving them yeah. the, the plot that they're to be together for some reason. Well, and then like once Ramsey's slated to die, Ramsey blurts out, uh, I have a wife and eight kids. I was just like, like, this is fun. This is a fun <laughs> dynamic they've got going on here. But uh, essentially it all, it, it boils down to their, uh, they're both like a couple cowards. Yeah. Which I'm like, yeah, I'd love to watch a couple cowards get mm. into trouble. <laughs> they're just two, uh, two computer guys. Yeah. What are yeah. they again? Uh, one's in hardware, one's in uh, software. <laughs> uh, but a phone rings. The distraction allows Lucas to pull out uh, his electric gun, which he which had of the whole time. We were misdirecting, thinking he didn't bring down with him, and he's able to like zap Jake the bus boy. And uh, I got a question about these bullets because they're, they're going to come in the next episode too, and I'm assuming every forever. Episode we're yeah, they've see. got electric bullets. Electric bullets. If I shoot you with an electric bullet, yes. is it still going inside of you? Yes. Like, but then you're also getting electrocuted. You're getting. Because, you're both getting shot and electrocuted. Yeah, it, I know. It seems like a little much, doesn't it? Because they sort of. I thought they were implying that it's like a rubber bullet. That, yeah, like it was. It wasn't going inside, and you were still getting electrocuted. But I was like, but no, it's a bullet. Because in this scene, when he shoots, he doesn't shoot Jake the bus boy. He shoots right. at Jake the bus boy, so that when the bullet hits the chair next to him, it shoots an electric charge out. And you're right. Because he's you're like, right. I can't shoot that man. He might not be infected. The bullet would kill him. So let me just give him a zap. Right. So when you are shot with an electric bullet, you are both shot by a gun and and then also electrocuted on the side. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty nice. Anyway, but what they find out is uh, obviously he's not an infectee. He has nothing to do with the dreams. So they they head on back to Eddie's clam shack. And it turns out, you know what? Eddie built this place himself. And uh, very recently. Very very (laughs) recently. This is a very new business because uh, one of his bar rails, he built out of a plank that washed up on the beach. With just happens to be from the exploded bighorn. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing of this show is everything has to get connected back to this ship and to these sailors. So the leaps of logic that one has to make to get there are getting longer and longer because, you know, they're just writing episodes, standalone episodes. And they're like, oh, yeah, um, wood. Wood's in a boat. Um, It came from the boat. Well, and it's funny. I mean, we'll talk about this next episode, too. This episode is one of the... starts feeling like it's tying in like this things that happen in this episode directly relate to the next episode which is the first time this is starting to happen so this really maybe more feels like this should have been just episode like we could have skipped those other two the other like four episodes we've seen yeah you're probably right because like at least this one none of the other ones have tied at all together well this is interesting because this has had some light serialization in terms of characters have mentioned in passing other episodes but you're right other than these two episodes we're watching now you could really play them out of order doesn't Absolutely. really matter um but essentially yeah the uh they're like let's take that plank let's bring it back they'll look at it microscopically and they'll see it's it's growing its own like crystal force microscopically which will become a part of the next episode mm-hmm. and uh as they're leaving they're like well that's why uh, all those patrons and the employees all had these dreams because they were sitting next to this plank and then at, at like up just like off the cuff at the end they're like oh, except for eddie Eddie didn't have any dreams. 
somebody grab his DNA, but they never come back and never explain that's, what that that's meant. That's right. Yeah, they were just like, yeah, he's fine. And they're like, oh, yeah, he's he's fine. And then someone's just like, ah, let's just get some of his DNA. We'll figure that out later. It's <laughs> like, you guys don't think it's curious that Eddie, the fish shack owner, is the only one who... <laughs> anyway. You wanna... He spends a lot of time in the office. He doesn't come in. He doesn't come in. You're right. This is yeah. the first time he's been in weeks. That's why the business is failing. He's too busy out looking for wood in the, on the beach. All right. You want to jump back to Threshold and get into the, uh, the yeah. side plot of this episode? Yeah. Now, as you start this, we're going to meet a new character very soon named Tolman. Is it Agent Tolman? Senator Tolman? Senator Tolman. I wasn't sure if I was supposed to like or hate this guy right off the bat. Like, that that gets the answered as we go. But at the beginning, I was like, all the first couple scenes, I'm like, am I on his side or am I on Threshold's I, side? I mean, it is the question, and it's something that I don't know how I'm supposed to feel. Because, yeah, this guy shows up. He basically saw the article about Threshold in the paper. He's a senator. He's the chair of the Appropriations Committee. And he's a little pissed off because they've tacked on that $30 million in expenditures they spent on Threshold onto a bill that they snuck past him mm -hmm. in the thing. And he's just like, my job is to make sure money doesn't get misspent and you guys have been lying to me. So I'm coming down here and I'm finding out what is going on. What is threshold? I'm paying for it. Why is this going on? And it, I think this is a, a case with this show. And I think maybe is one of the weak points in that they don't lean enough into the gray of this. I think they toy with the idea that yeah. is threshold legal? Is it uh, operating well? They mostly let us believe yes. You mentioned this in, if it wasn't the last episode, in a previous episode. We have to remember this is 2005. Mm -hmm. We're still in this era of post 9-11 Patriot Act sort of. And I think they're still pushing into the whatever it takes, we got to do. And isn't that kind of cool? And I think you're right. There is some, it does feel uh, like there's some area to play with, but they don't know where they, they want to land. They don't know how to make it both. They don't know how to make it feel sinister, but like they don't know how to do an anti-hero basically yeah. I think is their problem. Cause when he shows up, he, he's totally right. Senator Tolman's like, what is happening here? The, uh, the national security advisor is just like, listen, I got to get him off my back. So I'm swearing him into a threshold. We're going to tell him all the secrets. Mm -hmm. I need you, Caffrey, to go give him a tour of the facility. The tour seemed like it took like 40 minutes. She's like, and here's the washroom. I was definitely, that was the tour. I was just like, oh, man. Uh, he, she does bring him down to the old Arkham Asylum, though. Yeah, she brings him to Arkham Asylum, where our uh, old military academy boy, Janklo, comes back. I hate Janklo. Every time Janklo shows up, I'm like, I hate your stupid fake southern accent. I hate <laughs> your stupid haircut. I, I hate him. I hate Janklo. Did, did you like when he was eating breakfast off that metal tray? And then <laughs> no. when he's done, he crumpled it up like a napkin. That <laughs> that's how right. strong he is. That's how strong he is, yeah. I just don't like a Janklo. But essentially, they, they, go, they go to the Arkham Asylum. They meet Janklo. Uh, Janklo is like really laying it on thick for the senator about how he's like being held here against my will. I'm a patriot. You can't keep me here. Yeah. And uh, the senator has a point. And the senator's already kind of like heard a little bit about it. He's just like, oh, so you're telling me this alien thing makes them super strong? Like, have you guys been like thinking about this for military research? He's just like, I'll give you more money. Like, this is cool. He's kind of like, mm -hmm. this is cool and could give America a real edge. So he's into it. So he really buys into like the sucking up the Janklo's giving to him. And, the, and so they're walking away and uh, the senator clearly has like, he he also is, you know, a bit of a conniving guy. So he starts talking to old Caffrey and he's just like, well, you know, this this prison you're keeping them in. Um, he compares the conditions to Abu Ghraib. Yeah. <laughs> which I was like, Oof, rough. And then uh, compares it also to locking up Jehovah's Witnesses for trying to convert people. Which is like both a bit of a stretch, but it did like that it like leads to Caffrey just turning around and saying like that's the stupidest thing I've yeah. ever heard. Like Which that was, was the whole point is to yeah. like 
get her on the opposite side of someone he, she needs she should be sucking up to mm-hmm. basically essentially what his 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 motivation is is he basically he wants to move up politically and yeah. he sees this is the opportunity now that he's in his inner sanctum he knows about this alien invasion he's going to get these prisoners moved to the pentagon and he's going to be like then he's going to be at the pentagon he's going to kind of like ha- yeah. have more control because as they say in this episode not even the vice president knows about threshold like right. this man is now like up there with the president knowledge base so yeah we're supposed to get the sense this guy is like he comes in with good intentions but we come to learn he's just kind of like a political mover yeah. and shaker so we shouldn't like him too much right jordan remember at the beginning of this episode when there was a leak what's going on with that leak <laughs> Basically, they figure it that they think it is Dr. Fenway. Well, yeah. It's who they're going to go for. But what was it? They see an email and it's got initials. No, what it was? They, remember she takes out the, she takes the reporter out for lunch to buy a cop salad to the reporter and the reporter won't give up uh, That's her right, source. Yeah. But what that was really happening as well, that well, Caffrey and reporter were at lunch. Kavanaugh was breaking into her house and stealing her shit. <laughs> oh, right, right. Yeah. So anyways, it's a long way to go that they think it is... Yeah. Dr. Fenway. Her notes have her source written down as uh is like NF is the thing. So it, could it be Nigel Fenway? And he gets he gets called down to the principal's office. He's very irritated about it. And I mean this uh this is kind of great because he shows up and he's just like he agrees with them and like what they're suspicious. He's like I think it's dumb what you do here. Keeping this this whole crisis secret and not asking for global help is insane. Which 100 mm-hmm. percent correct because it's going badly for them and they really yeah. do need help. And uh, and he's also like, oh, yeah. And I also owe all three of my ex-wives so much alimony. So, I yeah, I could use the money. <laughs> and he's mentioned that many times now of the uh, sheer magnitude of the alimony that he owes. Um, but he's just like, I would never commit treason. Caffrey's like, good enough for me. Uh, so they, they, you know, they take the investigation to the next level. They they go to a diner. He hangs out at all the time yeah. where uh, diners run by the soup Nazi yeah, from that's uh, right. Seinfeld. That's right. And uh, what they find is someone's hidden uh, a bug under his usual seat at the diner. Yeah, which is uh, the point they make is that this is why Caffrey is so um, uh, type A about things. about Why you can't eat the same yeah, because pizza place every what day. What they find out is he goes to the same, every night he goes to the same diner just to kind of unwind. And someone knows that in his recording. But what I like about this point is basically in the span of like a couple scenes, they're like, hey, there's a bug here. Let's go do a sting. And then they go out, even though Dr. Fenway is not at the uh, the diner at this point, they go find the guy who's listening in. Yeah. And, but he's sitting there. I'm like, what are you listening to? Fenway's not even there. He's, he's dressed up as a priest. Yeah. It is uh, character actor John Polito. Yeah. Another Seinfeld actor, too. Another Seinfeld actor also yeah. was in The Intruders, which we watched. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's playing a, a character, a private investigator named Nicky Frost. <laughs> NF. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, uh, Kavanaugh takes him down, busts him in. It, it, it didn't feel like they just need another scene with, for Kavanaugh doing the thing he's done every episode, which yeah. is just assaulting someone just, and be like, like, uh, I'm, I'm a cool guy. And it's like, oh, okay, yeah. He's just a big you. meatball. He's got to yeah. do something. Yeah. He, uh, they take him in. They quiz him on what's going on. It turns out he was hired by one of Fenway's ex-wives to see if this new job he had paid any more money. How horrible a husband was Fenway to elicit this well, kind of hatred from his it, ex-wife. It's funny. They kind of play it off like, isn't that a funny inconvenience? But it does raise that question that like... How bad do you have to be? He's pretty bad. And then also, I, I don't know if we can finish this plot line, but like at one point they have uh, the private investigator like kind of locked up. Yeah, they lock and up. And then doesn't he, he has something like 
he comes down to give like some pithy statement to them and stuff. And he, he was just like, he's like, tell my wife I hate her or something like that at the end. And I was just like, oh, am I supposed it, to be on his side? It does seem strange. I also didn't under, like, he states very specifically, he goes to this diner so he can talk to this guy about baseball. He just needs to get out and unwind and talk to someone who's baseball. How would the PI have gotten any information? Like, yeah, he's it, not going there to talk about work. They imply that they piece together bits of stuff. Like while he's talking to the guy, he'd be like, like, what did you do today? Well, I worked for a secret organization. And they're like, Oh, we got that bit of information. And then like, he said, I, I found this kid whose brain works. Down. Yeah. It's just like, it, it doesn't really work, but they, they want to set up this thing of would he have done it. Now we won't spend too much time on this. I personally don't think this works very well because. Well, let's talk, I want to talk about this next scene here. Okay. Cause I think in this, I think this will go into exactly what you're okay. talking about. Because this basically leads into a heartfelt discussion between Fenway and Caffrey about following the threshold protocols and isolating yourself from everyone you love so that you can keep people safe. And um, it's just something I don't think works on this show. Like, they're trying to emotionally connect you to characters who are jerks. Yeah. And it's not a problem to have a jerk. I don't think having an anti-hero is an issue. But what this show always wants you to do is they, they like such as such a heartfelt scene between the two of them. We're talking about just how hard it is to be doing this work. And I'm just like, we don't like them enough for that to tug our heartstrings. Well, it, it's something I was going to talk about at the end of this, but it, it is something that I've noticed, which is they've had sort of this intermittent success with character building on the show. Sometimes it's worked well, sometimes mm-hmm. not so well. And as we get into the back half of the series, any sort of dramatic turns or reveals that they want to do like this one that maybe he... Yeah, maybe he was a spy or whatever. I just don't think they're going to have the excitement the show hopes is going to have. And I I think it's because it's not about to the actors. The actors are fine. It's just kind of crazy to me that after eight episodes, things haven't really been coherent enough. So writing wise, I don't even know the characters that well. So if they make a decision that's out of character, I don't even know if that's out of character. Well, and I, and I don't know, because it is this thing where I feel like they want us to really sympathize with these people, but they're not overly sympathetic like they've also written them to like their basic character structure not to be overly sympathetic they've glossed over stuff right like because i don't feel any real connection with these characters well that's and i you know? i think the thing is like i think that's okay like if what we knew about fenway was he's kind of a jerk had a bunch of ex-wives really good at his job so that's why they needed him but like could he betray them sure like he's always complaining about it right but then to have them sit down and like have this thing where he's like i know you're lonely here and all this stuff it's just like it doesn't work because we don't I don't need to feel sympathy for him to be interested in him. Well, and they also don't dedicate enough time to these scenes. Like they always throw in one or two scenes where they're like, Caffrey's tired. This guy misses his family. These, and they just and throw them in. And it's like, it's well, almost that's like, what I mean. It's almost those, like do it or don't. You know, Those are the sympathetic beats. They keep trying to drop in that don't work. Yeah. Cause we don't, it's not that we don't care. Like I, I, I could still care for a guy who's a jerk. You and I are maybe coming from two different ends. I think it's that, I'm not invested enough in these characters, so I don't care how they're feeling. Well, and, I'm and, saying the same know. thing. It's like, I don't think, but the thing is like, I don't think they have, I think they, they have characters that we believe have these feelings. Yeah. Yeah. Cause that's, that's like, we have these moments where like, isn't it emotionally important that these two are having this conversation? It's like, no, cause I don't believe they'd ever have this conversation. Right, like right. she's supposed to be this like hardcore, like follow the rules kind of thing. And he's supposed to be this, like, I hate the establishment. I have a lot of ex like, them having this like heart to heart about like how hard it is to be lonely here. It's like, I, I don't believe either of those characters would right. ever have that conversation. Right. And we have a, the same thing in the next episode. There's going to be a scene with JT and Caffrey and it's sort of, yeah, this, she needs a friend. Yeah. And it's like, you feel like 
on paper it makes sense, but it doesn't work. It doesn't. It doesn't hit those heartstrings you think it should. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. You listen. If you need to have this thing where he's isolated and alone, and that's where he went to this bar, and like that's how he got called out, and that's the lesson he learned. You don't need to have a conversation. It could just be him going home after work, and like he just like has nothing. You just leave him sitting in a room alone, and you just pull away. Like you know, you just like make him look sad and lonely. That's all we need. Or they could have seeded it from the beginning. They could have had just a scene every now and then, every couple of episodes of him just in this diner. You don't know why he goes to the diner, and maybe it looks a little creepy to have at least seeded the fact that maybe he has been doing something nefarious on the side but they just well they, they never just, thought of the idea yeah, until the start true. of writing this episode yeah. that, i mean it is that's is my problem i will say this one thing though about this uh heart to heart they have uh will caffrey's talking about uh, how how sad it is they uh can't live regular lives she mentions these friend her friends that she's not she's ghosted mm-hmm. basically from her life who were, uh, first of all i don't believe for one second she has any friends yeah, i felt the same way but what i loved is she's like when i first ghosted them they all thought it was because i had cancer but now they think it's because I'm a homewrecker cheating on a married man. Yeah, what was that? I was just like, I don't know if these are your friends. <laughs> also, was she telling people she had cancer? I know. I think they're just like, oh, you stopped calling us, so we assumed you had cancer. And she's like, oh, I don't have cancer. And they're like, oh, so you're sleeping with a married man then. And she's like, eh, good enough. <laughs> Whatever gets you off my case. <laughs> Back at Threshold, though, basically what's kind of happening is Fenway has come back to his office after all this shenanigans. He goes to his old vault in his laboratory and discovers that uh, a CD recording he has of the single has gone mm-hmm. missing. And uh, I kind of was just like, okay, what's going on here? He's like, has anyone weird come through recently? They're like, oh, well, we gave the senator access to all your secret files. Like, I was just yeah. like, why did you give the senator that much access? I, I actually think it was, it was even lamer than that. They sort of implied that he did it while she was giving the tour. Yeah. Like, like he was like, he looked, look over there. And he just like grabbed him. Well, that's what like, I mean. Uh, okay. Like, he had to use his fingerprint to open it. And I'm just like, so you also gave him biometric access. And then while he was on a tour with you, you looked away for 30 seconds. Yeah. But, but and the point is he stole the yeah, signal. Yeah. They rush over to his house to try to stop him. And when they get there, they, they hear a weird <laughs> noise and they head up to his bedroom where he, in his CD player, he's been playing the CD and uh, laying on the floor next to his bed. Is a dead intern, a, a mutated gro- dead intern, dead grotesquely mutated twenty-one-year-old senator. I was just like, I was like, here's the thing: this is crazy. Why is not his wife? He knows what the signal is at this point. Yeah, I think he wants. I think he thinks he's going to make him strong. Is that what they they think? I think that's what he thinks. Uh, it's still insane. And also, I got to say, because she's dressed in a nighty, like they're clearly about to yeah have sex. Did he put it on as foreplay? He's like, listen to the signal. <laughs> I think so. But I've got a question for you. The mutations. Doesn't it seem like some people are mutating really fast and other people are not mutating at all? Do you know what I mean? Because it's like old uh, a DJ girl. She right. listened to the signal over and over and over and she just kind of get it got a little weird. How many times did this intern listen to it that she like her face looked like a it, like a It is a question. Mountain. Like certainly some people when they hear it initially just grotesquely mutate immediately. Some people become like driven to spread the signal mm-hmm. and then you're right and then with the dj she i guess it's because it was the first woman they theorized it was incubated like the rules are like still very nebulous well i, I would say not nebulous inconsistent I inconsistent would say. and it, i i still always come back to the pilot where those three lead characters listen to the signal on that tape which is all all these other mutated people are doing so why like so they seem to have even changed the rules since that yeah. pilot so it is tough to like nail nail it down the point is the senator was nailing an intern that is he's such a <laughs> he's such a dirtbag yeah uh but it does lead into my favorite part of this episode 
they hear a noise coming from the bathroom. Oh, this was this was a high point. You they open the door and there's like a horribly mutated cat alive and meowing at them. Yeah, yeah. It was so gross. It looked gross. Yeah, it, it looked good. awesome. I was really happy. I, my note was mutated cat exclamation mark. Best thing this show has ever done. I laughed so hard. I hit pause and I made Melanie come downstairs. I'm like, watch this. <laughs> it looks so gross. It yeah. was such a gross looking mutated cat. Anyway, they remember that the senator was getting on a plane with uh, the national security advisor who we've never mentioned this before because it's been it's been seated in a way that I never thought was important. Yeah. But apparently the National Security Advisor is Caffrey's old pal. Like they're, they're like old friends from her university days. It's it's no, it's it was her old professor right. and now they're friends. It's she was in the pilot. She's been a kind of recurring character. And they keep like kind of mentioning, like, oh, we have a past relationship, but I just never like it's never gone anywhere, so I've never bothered mentioning it. Well, no, because every few episodes they just meet on a bench. She's like and she guys gives her a picker life? up. She's like, Good. Yeah. <laughs> Life's good. Anyway, they're they're both on a plane headed to LA that day, so so they're like, we got to stop that plane. They're like, already took off. So she gets on the phone and calls uh, calls the cell phone of the national security advisor. And he's like, hey, I got to warn you, uh, the senator up there, uh, he's listening to the signal. He's mutated. And she's like, no worries. Everything's fine. We'll be touching down soon. Mm-hmm. And they get off the phone and they're like, are, they basically are like, wait, sh- the things she told us aren't true. She's lying to us. So everyone on the plane is, is now mutated. mutated yeah they make a bit of a, a a logic jump now i'll give it i'll give the show this what they basically realize is these people are infected they're flying somewhere else they're gonna they're now on a mission to infect other people so we now he have that choice of we have to either shoot this plane yeah down i mean or it's not. A, this so, is good so this is pretty good it's been set up and obviously they set up that it's her old friend her mentor so she feels uh yeah she doesn't want to blow it up she, yeah. there's a lot of that yeah it's just that like their leap of logic to get there doesn't quite make sense, you know. So you're and like, eh, I mean, okay. and this is also happening the last five minutes. Like, this is a That's classic C plot. This is a C. Like, this yeah. is a plot where we had to go find dreams in Rhode Island. We had to plug a leak inside, and now we have a C plot of a plane full of infected people that we have to blow to the sky, which is in itself like it's the best part of it. Like that that idea of just like you got to make that hard choice. You got to blow these well, people up. What's interesting is the A plot of this show was finding why people are getting affected from the fish and it's the worst plot line yeah i mean this should have been the core yeah. plot line yeah at any rate caffrey finally makes a call she blows the plane out of the sky mm-hmm. and uh it ends with uh caffrey sad and uh, <laughs> yeah yeah and jt Baylock being like hey listen if i ever get infected kill me mm-hmm. i'm like all right but they do let they get to mention that the uh the restaurant owner uh, gets a seventy five thousand dollar reward so yes. he's okay. I have this little thing here with a little denouement for our other characters. Is uh, yes, the, uh, the Lucas is mad at Ramsey for being such a cold-hearted bastard, but not caring about that. But Ramsey, Ramsey got him the reward for catching Jake the busboy, the bus, yeah, the bank robber. So he's he, sure his business is gone, but he got seventy-five thousand dollars. And the other kind of denouement for the character is is Fenway. He goes to visit that PI, and he tells the PI he's just like because you leaked that information to the press. It's your fault that intern is dead. Yeah. And when the PI doesn't show enough remorse, he's just like, well, I'm charging you with a felony. So how do you like that? Yeah, it didn't. It didn't make sense. It, it was such a stretch. It was a stretch. And not only, they wanted to give Fenway the moral to, high grade. Yeah, the moral high grade by giving the other guy come up. And so I'm like, but that guy was just doing his job. And also you you're well, the one who you fucked up. Yeah, you're the you're the one who made the mistake. And you're the one who clearly 
is in arrears for paying your alimony. So like, like I, it, but it was like ignore they ignore the threshold plan. You treat your ex-wives badly. This is all your fault. But again, as you say, they they don't know what to do with a possibly gray, not very positive character. So they just like, no, wouldn't it be cool if he gets to say that cool thing and walk away? I'm like, no, he's he's a jerk. No, yeah, it, it, it's still his. Like it is weird. It's like it's like yeah. they want to. It's like you're absolved now. It's like ah, you guys, you don't have to absolve every character every yeah. episode. But that's the episode. <laughs> all right, let's get into the Iron B summary for episode eight. Revelations. I had this made after the visions began. I have seen this shape many times. It appeared to me in rain on a window, a reflection on a fountain. Such a profound design. One symbol made of three separate spires. Sound familiar? You think it's the Holy Trinity. What do you think it is? I've been told it's a graphic depiction of a mathematical equation. Maybe it's both. Science without religion is lame. Religion without science is blind. My favorite Einstein quote. Caffrey and Kavanaugh follow a lead on an infectee in an Indiana town with a preacher relating visions of an alien landscape. Courtesy of A. Dunonymous. This is a plotline trope that I, I just hate. I hate the like religious person who's also might be crazy and he's, he's tricking his flock. I just, I'm, I just, I hate this plot. It's been done so many times in TV. It's dumb and it's lazy and it's stupid. And this episode is as well. Yeah, I mean, I will agree. I, I was gonna get into it later, but we can talk about it now because I actually think, obviously, that trope is stupid. Like that is a like oh, he's a he's a crazy. It's just, it's just too easy. But I actually think the trope that I maybe not hate more, but that this is also doing, but I, I also dislike it is. For Caffrey, who goes to meet this reverend, and then Lucas and Ramsey will do the same thing. There'll just be this debate about, is the alien invasion God's plan, or is it yeah. not God's plan? And there's like this debate of science versus religion. And it just like, I mean, A, doesn't work well on this show to begin with, but it's just like, I don't know, man. You, you can't, like, there's no point to that argument. Like, yeah. is the alien invasion God's plan? I have no idea. I have no idea what God's plan is. There may be a God, there may be not. It's impossible. You're never going to figure yeah. it out. It's not a debate. Like, well, that's no one's right, no one's wrong. Well, I know, and they, it's it's just to try to have the characters be on opposite ends of an argument. But you're right; it just ends up being tiresome. And it is like just a thing we see in these sci-fi shows so so yeah. often. And it's just like I'm just like, it doesn't get anywhere. Like, at best, you can kind of like have an okay conversation. At worst, they usually just make like the science guys have this like they're like I'm superior. Like, yeah. Like that doesn't, they don't go quite this way with no. the threshold, but it's just like, there's never a good outcome to it. I agree. Yeah. So <laughs> saying all that, that this, kicks us off. Like yeah. that's kind of the, the, well, the theme the, of the episode. Yeah. And this episode has, and I don't think we've had a sort of a flash forward opening. Yeah. Good, a classic uh, trope to something coming in the episode. Yeah. So we start with Molly. Uh, Dr. Caffrey is handcuffed. She looks injured. In, I, in I a noticed. Basement. Yeah, in a, in a creepy basement. There's images of this religious figure that we're mm-hmm. going to see as the reverend. There's a lot of like religious iconography around. I did notice it's the first time she's ever worn jeans. Oh, I, I you're so good at that. Mm-hmm. I was like jeans. Whoa, is it a weekend for her? And then we and we flash and it's like two days earlier. Yeah, and I was like, oh, I'm so invested. I know. It's a, like it is. A, it is. Is a thing that doesn't really work. You're like. Oh, is our hero going to get in trouble at some point in the episode? I hope so, or I don't know what this episode's <laughs> yeah. going to be. <laughs> it is true. It's like it's like, are they going to get into into something? I'm like, well, I hope so because I'm I'm investing 45 minutes into this. <laughs> like, I don't want to just see her trying on jeans. I mean, to be fair, I would, but 
Yeah, I mean, you do like to see a bunch of jeans, which <laughs> yeah. look best. Yeah. Essentially, though, two days earlier at the Threshold Center, they're going to they're gonna split up the team once again to run two different missions. Do you think they just find this in... Obviously, it's a convenient way to split up plots, but do you think they just don't know what to do with... They have too many members, and they're like, uh, just pair them up. I think it's more that just like A pot, B pot there, and I think they need to do. And like sometimes they, they just don't dovetail well. Yeah. I, I will note, though, we mentioned from the very beginning of this that they were sort of setting up Kavanaugh and Caffrey to be love interests. Yeah. And they've hinted at it every now and then. I almost feel like it's entirely gone at this point. It's definitely, I think you're right. I think it's been at least minimized for sure. Yeah. Because like every time I'm there together, I'm like, oh, they're going to have a scene. I'm like, no, they don't. Yeah. I think it's just because so you mostly just like Kavanaugh's beating someone up and she's actually getting the job done. So <laughs> that's true. Uh, Catherine Kavanaugh are going to head to New Harmony, Indiana, home of one of the missing bighorn sailors. They've had some agents out there who've been uh, surveying his mother to see if he comes back. And one of those agents has gone missing. <gasps> and no. then our, our our second plot is uh ramsey and lucas after finding that uh chunk of wood at the fish at the clam shack mm-hmm. they suddenly realize like hey uh, maybe we should check on that boat we exploded at the bottom of the ocean and so they're going to be doing a deep sea dive from the comfort of their home uh yeah. to check up on the old bighorn and one real quick note how much better would it be if they actually had to get into the boat i will say this about that is like i haven't seen this much B footage used for a while like there's, there's a lot yeah. of just like stock footage used of like boats going places and you can just tell us it's like oh we're not taking any of these cast out in the ocean again yeah. uh we'll just get some find some footage of a boat find some yeah. footage of some hey stuff guys underwater. we built the threshold center they're not leaving the center <laughs> and uh dr fenway i guess this episode uh as always is just a floater mm-hmm. just uh, floats between plots as required well because yeah because they only i think one mission it was like episode three or four he went out with them but otherwise they don't know what to do with him so he's always just back looking at screens being like hmm interesting in this episode because caffrey's sad because she killed her mentor and she's going to become friends with jt uh there literally is a scene where she's just like well you know lucas and uh ramsey they're really getting along and uh yeah that's right and uh i now i'm, I'm gonna hang with you and and fenway she's just like hey he's 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 just fed. Like they clearly are also like, oh, we don't know. He's yeah. just here. <laughs> yeah. um, you you want to follow uh, Dr. Caffrey and uh, Kavanaugh first out to Indiana? I guess. Yeah. So I'm trying to remember what it is, how, why they initially, why did they initially go out there? They're going out there to find that missing agent. They go out there and they meet with his partner because they've been stalking that, taking out the mother's right. house. They're like, she must have something to do with this. So let's break into her house. That's right. They go into the house and <laughs> I just, for some reason, I thought it was funny that the big, big crux of everything is uh, they find receipts. I know. it's Because uh, you get to watch characters talk about receipts and look at receipts and then talk more about receipts. You're like, uh, okay, great. But basically what it is is they think uh, maybe the missing sailor is there. And uh, yeah. so they're they're looking at receipts, trying to figure out did he buy it or did his mom? That's well, how exciting this is. I mean, what? yeah, what, her grocery receipts are quite large, but there's no food in her fridge. Yeah. But the agent who there who's there, like the one who's not missing, is there. And he's like, "Don't worry about those receipts." Every week, she gives all that food to uh, the food drive of the church. Mm-hmm. And uh, Caffrey's like, "You mean this flyer for this church I just found on the fridge?" Yeah, right. Right. And wh- what's on that flyer? The flyer has um, sort of like you know uh, discussions. Oh, come to church, blah blah blah. But it's um, there's an image of the uh, glass what, what, forest. The glass I, I believe forest, I believe yeah. the Reverend refers to it as the Sea of Glass. Right. Yeah, because it's a reference. He makes a reference later. There's a, uh, uh, what was it? I wrote it down. It was Revelation. Oh, that's right. He does quote Revelation. Oh, and by the way, I looked, it was Revelations 4, 6, and I looked it up. He paraphrases. They paraphrase. It, what, what he's saying is in there, but 
uh, he, he really goes out of his way to make this work, is what I'm saying. <laughs> but anyways. So they head down to the church and uh, to see the reverend process. And mm-hmm. who, what do they go undercover as at the church, Jordan? <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't know what the, the publication is, but she's pretending to be a writer. And Kavanaugh is a photographer. Or he does graphics and photography um, for like a religious magazine. For modern spirituality. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so they dress up in their Sunday best. And they go to uh, the church in the hope of talking to the reverend and basically go, we want to... Uh, have an interview with you about these dreams. Yeah, your your visions you're having. Yeah, and he's all like, "Yeah, great, Sounds great, yeah." Um, and they also like all the people at the church are like, "We've had the dreams too." He's right, we've all had these dreams, and they mm. sort of interview. They, there's a montage mm. where they interview everyone, and they're all have had like non-alien related dreams. It's yeah. like a dream. The whole town was on fire. It was great. Yeah, <laughs> like so they realize really the only one they have to worry about is the priest. And they kind of focus in on him. And this is kind of where we get into a lot of the like. That that was a weird thing, though. Why did they have to even drop in? Oh, they all have dreams. And they go, oh, no, they don't have dreams. Like, I get it because they, they want to narrow it down. But like, why even mention? They could have just said the Reverend has dreams. Yeah, I think they were like. Because that montage was so exciting. I think they're trying to play off of the last episode where everyone else. Like, because this one's so related, like they're going to the sea because of the crystals they found on the log. She's sad about it. Like, and I think that last one, they had found a town with a bunch of dreamers. Right. So I think they were just trying to tie, I think they were trying to steal from that episode and then like misdirect you and be like, Oh, what piece of log is it going to be? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if every episode was a different piece of wood, <laughs> which piece of wood um, at any rate, um, while she's talking to this reverend, they kind of chat about religion and science, and she notices he has this sting on his stained glass window. He's He's got one commissioned with the spiral and the stained glass. He's been very productive. Yeah, I know. And she's just like, hey, uh, where'd you see that uh, that crazy spiral up there? And he's like, oh, I, I saw it in the fountain outside next to the church's garden. Mm-hmm. So she, uh, she takes a little trip outside to have a look in that fountain, mm-hmm. and uh, we get... What is my favorite part of the episode? Well, it it is good. So first she goes to the fountain and she's kind of looking and there's a lot of like bugs going around. And I think like they have like a CGI bug goes on yeah, her at she, one point. Like a, a housefly lands yeah. on her. And then so she's like, oh, that's interesting. And then she walks over to the well, garden. Did, didn't you didn't, didn't you notice the housefly was also horribly mutated? I didn't. I didn't notice. It was like it was all grotesque. Like in that close up, it's all like yeah. weird and like like the fly basically it's all so something something's funny she goes over to the garden she starts looking and it's in a nice organized garden There's some lettuce yeah and she starts looking in and <laughs> for whatever reason she looks into the lettuce she like it, yeah she pulls open the leaves and there is like what looks like a mouth without the mouth it's just gums Bl- and bloody teeth and it's <laughs> just the hideous looking and actually at this point i thought there's been a couple things like that now in the show the cat and stuff i'm like I almost feel like this is what the show should push into. They're the, actually pretty good. The body at the, horror elements. Yeah. And I it's know. like, they don't, I know it's like, it's basic. It's probably on at like eight o'clock at night on, on cable television, but like, holy moly. Lettuce full of teeth. Great it's gross. Stuff. Yeah. It's great good. stuff. And it's, it's, they do that better than they do relationships. Uh, yeah. Anyway, the whole threshold team swoops in. They quarantine the whole church. They start digging up the mm-hmm. garden. And they do have a point where um, there was a bunch of police standing around the garden with the garden just um taped, um, off. taped off and for some reason that was the funniest thing i laughed and laughed <laughs> laughed just watching a garden be taped off don't go in this garden yeah, it's just prime very, scene yeah it's very prime funny. garden yeah and what was in there teeth well and they're like pulling up the lettuce and like some of the lettuce stalks have like crystals grown out of them mm-hmm. they're like well this is alien lettuce if i've ever seen it <laughs> <laughs> they do say that and then like i have the reverence just like this is religious persecution and i'm just like i mean you got teeth in your lettuce i don't yeah. think it is yeah so they basically think oh no, people have been eating this food. Although 
dear God, if you're working in the church and you're making like a nice sandwich for people and you start pulling back those leaves, you're not using that. Well, I, I do. I do think they're not sure if anyone's been eating it, so they could, but they're like, where did they like? Yeah, they're worried that if people have been eating it, they may be. What, what could happen? And theta waves and, you know, <laughs> the usual. But they at this point, they figure out that the mom hasn't been giving her groceries to charity after all. So they uh, circle back to interview her because uh, she hasn't been giving her groceries to charity. Well. Clearly, her son must be back in town. Mm-hmm. And they all sit down in her living room to have a nice chat. And I think she excuses herself for two seconds, like, I got to get the tea or something. And she walks back in with a shotgun. Yeah. Just starts blasting at Yeah, them. she starts shooting. I think she grabs uh, she grabs Kavanaugh. Kavanaugh, like, runs at her. That's yeah. what his, his go-to move is to run at you. Yeah. And then uh, Caffrey pulls out a, a, a electric, electric bullet gun and, and kills her. Kills her. Yeah. And then, like, Kavanaugh's, like, injured in the fracas because I guess she's alien strong or something. He, like, pops his shoulder. He's like, well, I'm out. Yeah. That's it for me. <laughs> I can't do anything else. Uh, at which point, like, in the aftermath of this, they get a call from the uh, that the agent who's still alive. Like, they were missing the one agent, but the other agent calls over. He's like, uh, hey, um, are you guys busy? And they're like, oh, we just caught uh, alien mom. She's like, he's like, I got something real important to tell you at the church. Can you just uh, come down to the yeah, church? Yeah, and, and Caffrey's like, I'll come. Let's make sure, though, that uh, there's no one there and I go by myself. And he's like, no. yeah, yeah, sounds good. Kevin, I was like, I hurt my arm. Yeah. I got to stay here. Yeah. So she does. She goes. And uh, he has something very important to tell her. Yeah. A fist to her face. <laughs> it was It was really funny, It though. was. I love the execution of it he literally, so much. She goes, she goes, hey, where is everyone? And he's like, oh, uh, they're gone. And she's like, you had something to tell me? He goes, yeah, I do have something to tell you. Slam. And just <laughs> it, like, was, it was. He's like, what did you have to tell me? He's like, oh, this. And he just like, it's just a fist to the camera. Yeah. And, I was and just she's like, out. I was like, this was very funny. I really yeah. enjoyed that. Um, she gets knocked out. She has a non-alien related dream. Just an anxiety dream. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, that the world has ended because she's like... Because threshold she, didn't work. Yeah. But it's not related to the... Like, all the, like this one's just a legit dream. Not related to alien dreams yeah. that we've all... The only other dreams it, we've seen. It is weird to have a dream sequence when you've established that dreams are important. And go, by the way, guys, this one's not. This one's just an anxiety dream. This yeah. one's a regular dream. <laughs> but she finally wakes up in that basement we saw at the start. She looks to her right. Somebody's killed Sloth from the Goonies. <laughs> That's exactly what it does look like. Yeah, there's like, I guess... Hey, the, who is that? I think it's the agent who's been missing. Oh, I guess okay. they tried to mutate him and it didn't work. I thought maybe it was that intern again. But like... The makeup effect, I was just like, that is just sloth from the Goonies. <laughs> like, I was just like, was just like, he's here. He's dead now. The aliens <laughs> have killed him. The sailor finally makes his appearance from the uh, the guy from the Bighorn. He is there. He, as it, we are told, is an agricultural engineer before he was a sailor. Yep. <laughs> they have all had, had storied careers before yeah. they became sailors. I just, I just love how they find the most awkward clumsy way of getting stuff in and they're just like oh yeah by the way he was a lawyer before um so he knows he, he knows law you're like what why it doesn't matter like it doesn't matter i'm watching a show about aliens like you guys can just you guys we don't, that. Need, it's fine. we don't need every piece of information yeah since he doesn't have access to signal and his core driving thing is to convert people he's been a injecting people with his own blood his like yeah. arms are covered with track marks and i guess that's how he he converted this agent by injecting his blood convert his mother the one who didn't mutate sloth on the ground i guess that's how we get to him but he's also been using his agricultural engineering degree to use his blood as plant fertilizer. Yeah. Which uh, made that tooth lettuce. So, yeah, he uses his blood. He's putting in the plants and they start growing teeth for some reason. And I guess what they say is it's because the uh, because the mutation 
they're like they want to give the triple helix to the plants but because he's now like mixed human dna in there like the plants just start growing i don't know it doesn't make a lot of sense they, they, they say uh specifically if they have crystal inflammations <laughs> <laughs> wonderful but essentially his plan is he's hoping if he can figure out a way to give the triple helix to plants they can just affect the the food supply basically yeah or as uh one character will say quote ever heard of gmos <laughs> yeah and then actually caffrey has a funny response to that she's like yeah i've been to a grocery store <laughs> genetically modified organisms yes yeah. i do know so she's tied up. He's menacing her. He's like, I'm going to inject you with blood. I'm going to give you my blood, and you're going to be a mutant, and you're going to tell me all your secrets. But she has a Swiss Army knife. Yeah. Uh, she has now, to... wouldn't this be a great naked gun-esque sort of moment? Because just before the guy comes, she has her Swiss Army knife. She's trying to pick the lock to get out. But because it's Caffrey, and she is someone who thinks about all the possible outcomes of something, she should have had like a thousand-piece uh, uh, Swiss Army knife. Yeah, yeah, a huge Swiss Army knife. That would have been, been funny. Good. That would have been good. Instead, it's just a normal Swiss Army also, knife. Also, I forgot about the Swiss Army knife. Because it doesn't matter. No, it doesn't matter because she's she she tries using it. The guy comes so she can't unlock un get out of her thing. Get out of her lock. She's being menaced. He comes over. She stabs him in the leg, which doesn't do anything. And then just at that moment, because she's a damsel in distress, the door gets kicked open. And Kavanaugh's there. there and the door, yeah. yeah, and Kavanaugh shoots him with a laser bullet. And it's just like, good thing we put tracking devices in you. And I was just like, there's no tension. And I forgot yeah. they had said that earlier, that yeah. they did that. I'm just like, you guys can't have people disappear because there's no tension in that anymore. Because, like, she doesn't escape. She doesn't use her ingenuity. Yeah. It was, for me, the worst outcome they could have had for this scene. Because she's the, she's the star of the show. She's the hero. Yeah. And you've had her uh, be chained up. And instead of having her be, like, a strong, powerful, interesting woman who... MacGyver's her way out of it. Well, they have Kavanaugh, the most boring character saver. You well, know? And that scene should be like, how do you use your yes wiles to go? That's that's how that scene usually is handled. And I like not that I don't think they would have done it great, but I'm like, I was like, all right, how's she gonna get out of this? And she's like, it, it is just like, it feels more like, ugh, just end the scene. Also, how much a better episode if it was, uh, if it was a bit of like a, a bottle episode where she's just there she's the whole in time, the thing, just sure. trying to figure a way out. Yeah. I'm like, more interesting ways of doing, it. and they just. It's just this way this show does. They 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 set up set up and they go. Nah. They take a lot of little ideas and they're just like this one and this one and this one. And, but it's like they don't spend any time in them, yeah. so they're just like and it's over and it's over. And it's over. Yeah. Anyway, they've caught the sailor and killed him. He's also hmm. dead. The mother's yeah. dead. He's dead. I, I assume that Adrian they found is probably dead as well. I don't yeah. know. Well, he she sure doesn't look good. Uh, the Reverend apologizes for uh, it. He didn't know. Yeah. He thought this was a good man. Was the Reverend hiding? Yes. He was hiding him. He okay. was hiding him in the basement of the church. Uh, he was told what, a story, and he believed it. And they tell the reverence, like, no, no, that sailor was actually making hallucinogenic drugs, and you were just hallucinating. He's just a big drug dealer. Yeah, and, so, and he, was, he was like, so I haven't been talking to the god? They're like, nope. He's like, my nope. bad. Yeah. My bad, you guys. Yeah. Quickly, let's just been, let's let's go through what Ramsey and Lucas have been doing, because it's very short. Mm -hmm. They've been looking at stock footage of the ocean from... Yeah, the they're they're looking for the boat threshold, and they it's just like is that the boat? Nope. Is that the boat? Nope. But they first come across a wreckage that they think is the boat. It's not. It's a North Korean boat. It's the North Korean sub from the first episode, yeah. which apparently crashed down there. Which they yeah. leave is like, why did that happen? Let's find out later. Yeah, no one cares. And then they eventually do find the boat. They find the boat, and uh, it is a giant. Now, like crystals are growing out of it. It's like a giant crystal, like field of like glass basically like the crystal forest or did you ever uh have those i did crystal glowing kits as a kid mm -hmm. that's exactly what i thought yeah. when i saw it yeah and B but it's because and to cut you off yeah, is cool. what they what they sort of realize is and they say 
They're bioforming the people and terraforming the planet. Right. They shouldn't have sunk that ship. Yeah. And which which actually, again, is a cool idea. But why they've left it to episode eight. And given it two seconds of screen time. Yeah. And it is the thing is like they're going to have to start monitoring the seabed now because like they can't stop that from growing. And I was just watching at this point. I'm just like, okay, it is now official. You've lost control of the situation. Yeah. Like. I we felt this way for a few episodes, mm-hmm. like that this has gotten out of hand. You guys, and they're not very good. Can't manage it, but it's just like okay. Well, there's literally nothing you can do about this. Like, call it like five thousand square meters of ocean that is now growing an alien landscape. Mm-hmm. I love it when people use a football field as a unit of measurement. I believe, but I think he's like he's like just imagine a whole football field. I'm like, is that how big it is now? Because that's a problem. Yeah. It's a big big problem. And then uh, the episode kind of wraps up with uh, JT and uh, having a coffee. Oh, cow! Because they're like, she needs some help. She needs someone to talk to. So when I talk to him, and my only thought was, are you telling me the entire threshold plan doesn't have one psychologist on staff? You've designed this to have like the most stressful no, situation. No, no, no. They he says they do, and she but she doesn't want to go to him. Oh, so right. she just goes like, oh no, I. I so she's want- not following her own plan. Yeah, she's not following her plan. She just she'd rather talk to JT. I'm like, you guys spend all day together. Have you ever had that where like you work long office hours and there's someone's like, let's go get drinks after, and I'll be like, I just spent all day with you. Like we've said everything we could say. <laughs> what what what's left? And what's left? Like uh, putting a putting a a beverage in front of me is not going to make you more interesting. What I also liked is he sat down. He's like, I'm unwinding. And he's pouring himself a cup of coffee. And I'm just like, it's it's time to go to sleep, not time to start drinking coffee. Yeah, you're off work. Well, they're, they're they they try to play up that they're both kind of stress cases, and they both are workaholics and so jittery. And then they found each other. They bo- both their uh, yeah. friends think they're uh, having sex with a married man. <laughs> yeah. All right, Jordan. Do you have any final notes on these episodes? I would only say what's kind of interesting is for a serialized show. They've clearly at least sort of started in these last two episodes of progress. They're only starting things, to get that role. I just feel there's like there's zero momentum. Like the characters are always acting like there's an there's an urgency to the emergency. But as a viewer, I don't feel it at all. It, it is like they in the last like and these two episodes are like the are certainly weak serialization, but like the most we've had so far. I feel like yeah. And I'm just like yours in episode seven and eight. Get get your wheel. Get some traction yeah. underneath. Well, it's you like guys. and and not only that, but even when they do have like a meaningful conflict. It's spread out over multiple episodes, so it just kind of loses something, and anything that was interesting ends up just being kind of shallow. So you just go, oh, yeah, there was a dream that someone had three episodes ago. Okay, it doesn't matter. It It just... It it doesn't know how to serialize. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And the serialization is actually, I think, hurting the show. I could be... It's hard to say. I, I don't disagree, but I'm just like... I was like, either go all in or just cut it all. You're up. probably right. It's just like pick. You got to pick a side, you guys. Yeah. All right, Jordan. Do you want to uh, rate the order? Sure. I have made no secret that I'm I'm not really enjoying this show. I find this too much to be a weak procedural show, and I don't like procedural shows as they are. All the things I like of the show, it doesn't want to do, and it's like teasing me. It's like, hey, it's like an alien show, but we don't. We want to talk about wood. So I I just I can't. I gotta give a four out of ten. Four out of ten. Yeah. I, I obviously am a little more forgiving of this yeah. show, obviously. It's not, obviously not a great show, but there's like, like I enjoyed having Lucas and Ramsey running around together. They had some fun moments. I enjoyed yeah. that. That mutated cat. Oh, the cat got one point. It was a three to ten until that the cat was like up. that. I think for me, this was like a five. And then that cat showed up and I'm just like, all right, give me that cat. I was like, we're, I'm going to go. I'm going to give this a six. Uh, I'm going to give the next episode. What was eight called? Revelations. Revelations. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to go all the way down to a three. And that's that's giving two points for those teeth. 
Right. <laughs> I just, I just, I, I, I didn't like the basic yeah. premise of it. I didn't like anything. And it's again, if this had maybe been the second or third episode, I'd be like, oh, okay. But it just is like, guys, it's you're getting so long in the tooth. No pun intended. I feel like the show is just very average. Like I think for the most part, most of these shows run a five, and the best they can do is like come up by a point. Yeah. For me. I think you're right. The premise of this is so hackney, so cliche, but because teeth came, because that tooth, it was that, good. That mutated fly and the teeth and that lettuce were so cool and fun. Uh, it's going to sit. It's going to. It's going to climb its way back up to a five. Mm, yeah. Okay. <laughs> it would have been lower, but like I was just like, I love those teeth. Yeah. We're not too far off. Since this show has been hovering at the breaking point for so long, I'm going to have to fire up the computer here and uh, have a little look see. Okay into uh where we are with the escape pod i've already strapped myself into the escape pod i'm ready to go i know i'm, I'm just gonna sit there lonely because we're not going i just know you, uh, you don't think we're gonna go no i'm ready to go i've got my helmet on my boots are on i've already got a snacks luke you've three been, types of you, snacks you've been, you've been trying to leave for, <laughs> for weeks all right well let me punch the numbers in here and we'll see we'll see where we're falling on this All right, Jordan. Sound the red alarm. <gasps> I'm, I'm shocked you're surprised. I am shocked. I thought I thought we were there was two B sixes. Now we're at like we we're at five point zero one oh. last time. We are now at four point nine two. Wow. So that is uh, triggering the escape pod. Well, we're, I I do have snacks. We are going to jump ahead to the final episode of Threshold next week and finish this off. May I make a guess though? Sure. I have a feeling not much will have changed. In the next, in the mis- because we're jumping over what three, four episodes? Four episodes. I don't think much is going to have changed. I, I don't disagree. I, yeah. I don't think this was, this show has shown it. It wants to move at a very slow pace. Yes. So I don't know if we're going to have missed a lot. My biggest concern in missing these four episodes is: Am I going to miss meeting Lucas's fiance? <laughs> is that going to be a thing? Uh, we've been waiting we've, for eight true. episodes. That's we keep true. teasing this fiance. Yeah. Am I going to miss the fiance? <laughs> I, I don't know. Or am I going to get her in the final episode? We'll, we'll find out. We may have to watch those uh, on another time as a as a bonus. Uh, find those. Find yeah. that fiance. Yeah. Until then, you can uh, email us at us at continuumdrag <laughs> at gmail.com. There we go. I got it out. Uh, where if you've got any thoughts on uh, lettuce growing teeth, you let us know. Terraforming, bioforming, your opinions it's on those. It's all happening. It's all happening at the same time. Yeah. Uh, and of course, on Instagram and Twitter, at Continuum Drag is the handle. We're going to have some clips from this. And you know what? There's some fun stuff. Mutated fly. Yeah. Mutated cat. Teeth in the lettuce. Um, crystal gardens under the ground. Lots, lots of people being uh, electrified. Lots of people getting shot and electrified. There's some. There'll be some fun, I think, clips from these two episodes, mm-hmm. thank God. But uh, that about wraps it up. So, listener, thank you for joining us. And Jordan, we'll see you next week. See you for the last one. Continuum Drag is recorded in Toronto, Ontario. Theme music by James Rex Siedler. Produced by Jordan Delick and Luke Black. Special thanks to Aaron Younes, Adam Wheatner, Jeff Hanley, Jane McRae, and Stephen Packard. <laughs>